0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: Hear that up.
2: Good morning, everybody, and happy New Year's Eve. Please join me in our responsive call to worship that you'll find in your bulletins. People of God, as we approach the new year together, let us do so rejoicing in your love. For
0: God has come to us in Jesus Christ to give us a new spirit.
2: Let us give thanks for his presence that brings peace, unity, compassion, and joy. Please join me in prayer. God of the dawning of new day, God of the dawning of new life and a new era, as we enter the sanctuary today, we come ready, anticipating and welcoming the changes this new year will bring. We come ready for a change of pace, ready for a change of perspective, ready for a change of attitude, and a change of life from old to new. And ready to receive your message of good news, a message that we need for our lives that sometimes gets twisted and tested, stretched and strained in ways that we aren't prepared to deal with. And so it was with thee we come prepared to find our rest and our renewal and our strength in you. Infuse us with your spirit, we pray, your spirit of wisdom, peace, friendship, forgiveness, patience, joy, and new life, and perseverance. As we place our lives in your hands, prepare us, equip us to follow your lead as we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation this this morning. Uh, Please sign and pass the friendship registers that you'll find at the end of your pews. And uh, if you're new, please put your address down so we can keep in contact with you. Uh, There are several announcements in the bulletin, but I would like to highlight the following. The 2024 stewardship campaign is underway, but we still need your help. Please take a moment to consider what you can do financially to support SCC in 2024 and submit your pledge form. The 180th first annual meeting will be held on Sunday, February 25th. All board and committee annual reports are asked to be submitted to the church office by February 4th. And finally, all are invited to the special coffee hour and fellowship hall immediately following worship provided by the fellowship committee. And one last thing, Um, I don't know if you know this, but I think most people do, but today is Sydney's last day and i just felt that it was really appropriate that we acknowledge him and just thank him for what he's done i asked him to come out but i think he's nervous but if we could all just give a small hand of applause for sydney
3: Happy New Year! As we enter into a time of prayer and reflection, I ask that you continue to pray for Pam Poling and her family as they navigate difficult time ahead after the death of Pam's sister and her husband Jeff's cancer treatment. We continue to pray for Roma Fenton as she heals. And recovers from her fall last month. Uh, She's making good progress. I heard from her yesterday that she expects to be home within the next week or so. Prayers of Thanksgiving for that. And we pray for those among us for whom this Christmas season brings less joy than it does pain, whether that's because of loss or struggles with substance abuse or physical pain or mental health issues or some other reason. Know that God is with you and loves you always and that you are in our deepest thoughts and intentional prayers. And prayers of thanksgiving for a beautiful, beautiful Christmas season here in the church uh, and personal prayers of thanksgiving. Peggy and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary last night. So, um, with these prayers and the prayers that are on your own hearts, let us take a moment of quiet meditation and reflection with God. Loving, gracious, Infinite God beyond all understanding. As we turn to you in gratitude for all your blessings, let us remember the good and right and true foundation you provide to us, your people, your creation. Let us sanctify all that comes from you and be humble in the idea that we are yours and therefore let us open our eyes and our ears and our minds to your call every day so that we might understand better how we can do your will in our limited time on earth. And as time marches on and we prepare for the year ahead, we pray that we might deepen our peace and comfort in relationship with you, God. We pray that those who despair and suffer will find their peace and comfort in relationship with you. We pray that those who are seeking peace and comfort in things other than relationship with you, be given the strength and insight to turn to you. And we pray that those who are elevating themselves above you in their greed, corruption, and oppression of others be given just a glimpse, a taste of your peace and comfort so that they become more honest fair, and just. We ask for your grace and presence in our hearts and our bodies and our minds today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Amen.
1: I played my drum for him pum I played my best
3: sharing your gifts. And now as we enter into our time of offering, um, I would remind you that in the gospel, according to Luke, Jesus teaches his disciples, give and it will be given to you. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. In this spirit and in the spirit of Jesus Christ, our morning offering will now be received so that it might be shared in love and received again. Please join with me in the unison prayer of dedication. Generous God, we pray that our spirits and our souls become wider, broader, and deeper, until we truly become reflections of your abundance in the world. Bless these gifts as the gift that make ourselves, and that they all may be examples of your abiding love for every person of God's creation. Amen. Our scripture this morning is an excerpt from a narrative in Exodus of God's call Moses. And that's covered over two chapters of Exodus, chapters 3 and 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just to sort of set the the stage a bit. At this time, the Israelites are enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt. And Moses had escaped from Egypt already. He's living safely 250 miles away in a place called Midian. He's working as a shepherd for his father-in-law. And God is asking Moses to advocate for the Israelites by telling Pharaoh to release them. And many of you are familiar with this story. Uh, It begins with God appearing to Moses as a burning bush, and it continues with Moses and God going back and forth multiple times in this intimate dialogue, one-on-one, each time with Moses coming up with a new reason for why he's not the man for the job that God has for him. And I'll get into this a little bit more, but for now, this scripture passage is from the last two times that Moses tries to brush God off. So may we listen to God's word from Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He's saying, I can't do this for you, God. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute? Or deaf, seeing or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) The word of God for the people of God. So sometimes when we read these stories, I know for me, at least before I took one semester in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, when we hear these stories from more than 3,000 years ago, we sort of dismiss them as antiquated or irrelevant to our lives today. But going into this new year, I want to challenge you to find in these narratives from the Old Testament the universal themes in human life that exist as much today as they did when these stories were written. These stories are about the human struggle to understand our place and our purpose in the world and what exists beyond us and our relationship with what exists beyond us. What many of us call God. So when you find yourself sort of looking at an Old Testament story and being like this is kind of nuts or this is really not relatable, I would just urge you to look for what it says about the universal in our struggle to understand everyday life. That can give you great insight into yourself and into humanity. And this Moses story is a great example of a story that should be relatable to each of us. On the surface, it doesn't quite seem to be. You've got God calling out from this burning bush, and then he's engaging in this conversation in human language with God about whether Moses should do what God is asking. It's like, what is that about? That's not the way it happens. But as it relates to our life today, at bottom, this is a story about risk. It's the story of someone who is afraid to risk the life he has for a life of deeper purpose and ultimate meaning in relationship with God. We're risk-avoiding creatures. That mindset is good for our biological survival. But when we become so risk averse that we're no longer willing to take a leap of faith in a life with God, we lose our way, we lose our foundation, we lose our ultimate guide for how we are to live a life of faith. Why, why is that? Because a life in relationship with God requires venturing into the unknown, into the mystery of what it will bring. But in that mystery is what is as certain as anything can possibly be in life which is that you're never alone, but you will find the firmest foundation you will ever find in anything in life. And forgoing that life in exchange for the certainty of what you have now seems to me to be a far greater risk than listening and responding to God's call to you. So here's the question I have for you. What are you avoiding because you're afraid of the risk? And the related question, are you avoiding what God is asking of you because you're afraid of losing control? Because if you are, I would argue that you're operating under a false assumption, that you control your life. Your ability to control your life And its outcome is far, far more limited than we like to think. That's what Moses was afraid of. Losing his control over his comfort and his safety. If he traveled back to Egypt to do what God was asking. Moses is like each of us. He's afraid of the unknown. He doesn't trust. He's risk averse. He escaped Egypt 40 years earlier. He was a fugitive. And he was raising sheep for his father-in-law. Like, life was pretty stable and safe and comfortable for him. And God came along to disrupt it. That's what happens. We like life to be safe. We want to preserve what we've worked long and hard for. That's why the insurance industry is so lucrative. The insurance industry knows our mindset. We want to preserve our stuff and our way of life. Insurance companies know we abhor risk and we love what we've accumulated. So we buy home and life insurance policies. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing, but be careful how it affects your mindset because it can lead you to believe that you have more control than you do over what happens. It's a well known psychological phenomenon that we believe we have a lot more control over our lives than we actually do. I mean, let's face it, we come up with five year plans, bucket lists, New Year's resolutions, and our goals for the future. And while we're planning our lives and trying to execute on our plans, we're telling ourselves we're in charge, we control our destiny. But the truth of the matter is that we're not. Here's what tends to happen when we make a five-year plan. Either we change, or the world around us changes, or most likely both change. So by the time we get five years down the road, we're different people than we were when we made the plan. Your life circumstances change. Maybe you get sick. Maybe a loved one gets sick. Maybe you lose your job. Or maybe you just grow and experience new things that give you an entirely new perspective on yourself and the world and what you want to pursue. And in the extremely unlikely event that you remain exactly the same, with the same life circumstances and perspectives, the world around you changes. You find yourself in a different world than the one that existed five years earlier when you made your plan. And as a result, you need to radically change your plans because the industry that you wanted to be in no longer exists. That's how we move in this world today. Or it's shrunk, or there are just new opportunities that are more interesting than the ones that existed at the time that you made your plan. My point is not that you should never make a plan. My point isn't that you should not make a plan. My point is that we just need to remain a little humble about the control we have over our lives. And the reason for that is so that we loosen our grip on how we envision our lives unfolding and we open ourselves to where we may be called where we may be diverted from our vision of our future, which may not be what you originally told yourself was where you wanted to be. No one wants to think that they're not in control of their life. I mean, after all, it gets drilled into us every day that we need goals. And if we work hard, if we we remain disciplined, if we avoid risk, we, We alone can achieve our dreams. But that's an illusion. By and large, we are not in control of our lives. Let me double down on that. We are not in control of our lives. Our lives are just impacted by too many variables that are outside of our control to think that we have any appreciable control over our lives. There are simply too many things. Our genetic makeup which we don't control. Our upbringing, our families, and all kinds of things that happen to us that we don't have control over, over the course of our lives. So stop thinking that your destiny is in your control. It's not. That doesn't mean that we give up. It doesn't mean that nothing matters. Quite the opposite. We don't give up. We engage differently with our own lives. We engage by liberating ourselves from our plans in order to yield to a relationship with God so that we listen more intently to what God is saying to us. In that way of life, it's not that nothing matters. It's that everything matters. If God is speaking... It means that like Moses, we need to engage every day of our God-given existence in order to listen, and then keep listening, and then respond to the job that God has for us. See, the risk is not in listening to God and responding to what God is asking of you. The risk is in not listening to God. God and pursuing your own path, thinking you have the ability to do it on your own. You don't. The risk we face is in listening to what we tell ourselves rather than what God is telling us. Moses got the first part right. He listened to God. He heard what God was calling him to do. He didn't ignore God like many of us do, like I do least listened and he kept listening to God's responses to his concerns. Moses's mistake was in thinking he knew better, that he could control his destiny, that if he pushed God off, that he could remain safe and comfortable in the pasture. Here's my point. Like Moses, we have this illusion that we know what's best for us and that we on our own can achieve what we want. Life is like poker, more than it's like chess or roulette. In poker, you're dealt a hand that you have no control over. From there, you don't relinquish control like you do in roulette, but you don't have as much ability to affect the outcome as you do in a skill-based game like, like chess. You have some ability to improve it when you exchange your cards, but what you get back isn't in your control, and you have little control over what the other players at the table do that might affect how you wager and whether you stay in the game or you fold. There are just a lot of variables in poker that affect the outcome, but you only have control over a few of them. and then what happens is if you win, you delude yourself into thinking that you're a really skilled poker player. That's not the case. You judge it based on the results, not on the process that you followed. In poker, you can follow exactly the right process according to the textbook based on the odds, and you can still get a terrible result. And vice versa. You can completely wing it and you can get a great result. And that's really infuriating for those of us who follow the right process. But that's life. So what do we do? If our ability to control our lives is so limited, what does that mean for, us, for those of us who want to live a life of faith? It means we need to follow the right process rather than striving for the result, thinking that we have total control over it. How do we do that? By listening to the one who wants to embrace us with his infinite love and trusting that he knows a lot more than we do and wants affirmatively to guide us. If we can't control the result like poker, it means all we can do is follow the right process every day. And that process is one where we need to see that the risk is not in listening to God, the risk is in listening to ourselves. Let me go back to Moses for a moment. Here's how it went down with Moses. When God called Moses, he had a vision for how the rest of his life would go. He was 80 years old, probably getting ready to retire. Although some of these guys in the Old Testament lived to be like hundreds of years old, so who knows. He was having a regular day in the pasture, with the sheep, doing whatever shepherds do all day. And one day God appears to him and he says, I need you to go back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites out of captivity. And Moses is like, seriously? I left there 40 years ago. I really don't wanna go back. And God's like, I need you to do this. You will tell them that I sent you. And Moses says, no one's gonna believe me. And he says, it's like he's saying, this feels a little presumptuous, what I should be doing here. Now notice, God doesn't give up on Moses. He doesn't say, ah, I'll go do it myself, or I'll go find somebody else. He, God keeps speaking to Moses. Why? Because Moses keeps listening. And God promises to give him special signs to convince the Israelites to trust him. As Moses is running out of excuses, for not doing what God is calling him to do. He sees that he's not gonna be able to push God off so easily. And so then he sort of says, I'm not a very good speaker, God. And God says, listen, I'm the one giving you the words. I will be with you. God does not pump up Moses' ego. That's not how it works. God doesn't tell him, you're special. You're talented. You have a great speaking voice. That's not how God works. That's not how God speaks to you. Here's the key point of the story. God is telling Moses, Moses, this isn't about you. This isn't about who you are. This is about who I am. Who I, God, am. When Moses finally pleads, he's like, please don't make me go, God. God says, I tell you what, Let's find a way to make this happen. And God compromises with him. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that's remarkable in this story. God says, I will speak through you. But if you're not comfortable speaking, you can speak through your brother, Aaron. Okay? You give him the words. I'll give you the words, and you give the words to Aaron, and he'll speak. And Moses accepts the deal, and he goes on to become the most important prophet to the Jewish people. That's how it happens when we listen to God. You see, God speaks through our counterintuitive urges to do something beyond serving ourselves, our own plans, our own desires to keep it safe. maybe you feel an urge to adopt or foster a child or do something else, some other form of mission like starting a nonprofit or a company for the greater good. Maybe you're a young person who's wanted to serve in the military. I'd throw these out as examples. Um, or be a nurse, when all of your friends around you are going into finance. Maybe you're drawn to shifting your lifestyle a bit to spend more time with your family. Maybe you have a great business idea that will improve the lives for others or the planet. That's how God speaks. So you can feel risky. It can feel risky to listen, why? Because it might mean you need to take a pay cut to take a job with more flexibility. Or it might mean you need to shift from a promising trajectory that you're on in order to shift course to start that business or some other organization. Might mean that if you choose to adopt or foster a child, you just don't know how much it's gonna shake up the comfort and predictability of your life that you've grown into. It might mean if you're somebody who's working in the military, that you're literally putting your life on the line. I don't know what God is calling you to do. Only you know that. But the one thing I can say for sure is that God is calling you. And it will feel risky to listen. That's how you know that it's God speaking. When it wasn't your plan, when it shakes you up inside, And when it feels risky. When it's not logical. When that happens, listen. And keep listening. You and God will work it out. Just like Moses and God did. The risk is not in changing your course. And listening to God. The risk is in following your own plan. And deluding yourself into thinking that you're the one in control. A life of faith is a way of living open to letting go of the illusion that we're in control and understanding that only God is in control. It's a way of being in the world open to accepting and learning and knowing that comes from a place outside of our logic and our instinct, guiding our behavior and our goals, not by what we're telling ourselves, but, we're, but by what we're being told by God, opening ourselves to what's beyond everything we think is true. God is speaking to each of you. The only question is, are you willing to listen? Praise be to God. Thank you. dear friends, as you go out into the world, into this new year, may God be in your mouth and in your speaking and in your ears and in your listening, in your eyes and in your seeing and in your hearts and in your loving. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
1: Please sing along on this if you so choose. It's uh, on the radio a lot this time of year. So this is Christmas. Now what have you done? Another year over. A new one just begun. We're about to So this is Christmas. Hope you have fun, the near and the dear ones, the old and the young. A very merry Christmas and a happy new year. Let's hope it's a good one without any fear so this is Christmas for weak and for strong for rich and the poor ones the world is so wrong so happy Christmas Black and for white, yellow and red ones. Let's stop all the fight. A very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's hope it's a good one.
0: Without
1: A very Merry Christmas Hope to see you in the fellowship room. Okay. Great, Peggy. Thanks for coming up. Oh,
0: great! That was great. Oh, thank you, it was Elaine. Terrific. It I, was terrific. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I honestly I never knew that. I mean, it, it's in like my upstairs, i probably really never sang the Christmas song. In the last one? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. On Every way. Christmas for the last years. I can't
2: get it out. Of my head. I love that. Listen,
1: I have it. I oh, I I I I I I I I No, I got it. Are I you got, got it. I got it. Yeah. I I once I start, I I I I I